welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. Turn to John chapter 8. And we're going to continue talking about something we've been talking about a couple of weeks already in the area of identifying the devil's lies and getting more free. Or we could title this Lies That Bind and Truth That Frees. All right. Before we go and read this scripture, John chapter 8, I'm going to pray. We're going to come into agreement. Father, we're asking that we hear from heaven today, that exactly what we need to hear and absorb into our lives would come forth. We'll reach out and take it by faith. And we declare boldly, I have ears to hear. We all have ears to hear. We will hear what you're saying. Help me, Lord, to speak your word confidently as I ought to. Help me to speak it in such a way where it sinks into our ears and it changes our lives, that we don't just learn, but that we change. Father, we know the days we're living in is calling for great equipping. Equip us this morning. Help us to be equipped to go through these end times with victory, 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 helping people left and right. We believe it's happening and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say, I'm a doer of the word. word. Not a hearer only. I'm going to do what I hear. All right. John chapter 8, and let's look at verse 31. In verse 32, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Free. Everybody say free. <laughs> free. Truth to make you free. Now, there's a lot of people bound by themselves. You know what I mean? They, they just, they just, their personality won't let them be free because they, maybe whatever things happened in the past where the truth to make you free from yourself as well as from outside things as well. Um, if the truth makes us free, then lies must bring bondage. So if you get rid of the lie by hearing the truth, the root of the bondage is taken care of. Not just chop the weed off at the surface and it grows back more three weeks from now. Jesus wants us free indeed. And therefore, he wants to go to the core of the problem. Do you realize a lot of reason people are in bondage today? Listen closely. Is because they're using their God-given power to believe a lie and life is working against them instead of for them. The devil knows if he can convince us that something is true, we're most probably going to believe it. And Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. That would be positive or negative. 
We got to identify lies so we quit believing stuff that's not true and start seeing the health and the victory and the deliverance and the prosperity that God wants for our lives. We're going to have to kick some lies out of our life when we hear truth overriding those lies in that area. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people believing, using their God-given ability to believe against themselves. They're believing things that aren't true. They feel true. They smell true. They seem true. They look true, but they're not true. And as long as we're believing something that's not true, we're in bondage in that area. But when you realize that's a lie, wait a minute, that's a lie. I've been believing a lie. You'll start believing the truth. And now the bondage has to go and the truth makes you free. But now notice the truth doesn't make you free just because it's in a book on your nightstand, right? Jesus said, Father, thy word is truth. Your word is truth. This book is, is, is full of truth. I mean, it's, it's, there's no lies. I mean, it talks about people who did lie, but that was a true happening. They really did lie, you know? So the more truth comes in your life, the more free you're gonna be. Now, do you know why there's invisible opposition to hearing the word, going to church, reading your chapter? praying, staying close to the things of God because there's opposing forces that are trying to make you think they're not real, trying to convince you through feelings and thoughts that it's really not that important to read your chapter every day, go to church, or you know, hear sermons. It's really not that important. That's a lie. It is life and death. It is freedom bondage important. This is a huge deal. And here's something the church needs to realize. You're not going to get some freedom just by praying. We believe in prayer, but this scripture didn't say anything about prayer, but it talks about you getting totally free. And it's not, it's not, Lord, heal me, free me from this disease. If it's your will, if it, no, he puts the if in our court. If you continue in his word, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. That's not if it's God's will. That's if you and I do something, we'll be free. Come on, that's got to, that, that has to be, oh, Jesus prayed, if it be thy will, in one kind of prayer. He never used if in any other kind of prayer. That was one kind of prayer. Don't take the rules that govern that prayer and apply it to all prayers. There's some prayers you better not say, if it be thy will. You better know God's will, boldly claim it and believe it's happening. If it's in the word, if it's clearly in the word, you don't use that rule. If it be thy will, that's for a different kind of prayer. When it comes to things God's already said, don't say if it be thy will, find it in the will, claim it, pray it, believe it and receive it. Like the testimony this morning. Pray it once and what's left but praise after that. God heard me, I got his word for it, it has to happen. Some things have to happen because God's a covenant God. It's when we veer off the road of faith and get on the road to worry that we don't see the blessings of God. That's not God saying, no, that's us getting off the... Wrong, getting off the right road, getting on the wrong road. Come on, Jesus told us right here how to get free. You can't substitute with prayer what only getting in God's word will do for you. This scripture says if you want to be free, you're going to have to continue in his word. And you're going to know the truth and the truth's going to make you free. I thought it was so interesting. He said, if we do something, we're going to be free. Not if it's God's will. We got God's will on it. We need to continue in the word. Um, I want you to turn to James chapter four. 
And I want to talk to you about a big lie that so much of the world believes is true. And but it's a lie. If they knew it was a lie, they probably wouldn't be believing it because who wants to believe a lie? So the devil has to cunningly and craftily make people think this lie is true. Because if you know it's a lie, you'll, you know, slap it away. But most people don't know this and therefore they're believing a lie and a lot of bad things are happening to them that don't have to happen to them. Because believing this lie that I'm going to tell you about right now, believing this lie will keep you in a position of not doing anything about some of these attacks that are coming against you. And if we don't do something, not much is going to happen. So here's a lie that we need to talk about. Go to James chapter four. We need to talk about the lie. You ready for it? What, what's the lie, Pastor? There really is no personal devil and there really are no demons. That's just myth. That's just, you know, Christians trying to scare people or to do what they want them to do or. Well, here's the thing. You ready? The Bible talks a lot about the devil and demons. <coughs> and the truth. What's going to happen if you know the truth? about the devil and demons. What's going to happen? Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So hearing the truth about the devil and demons will make you free, not afraid. Now, hearing what Hollywood has to say or some people who don't know what they're talking about, you know, trying to make it sound like the devil's some big equal opposite of God. No, the devil is an eternally defeated foe. He's still around, but you have authority over him and all demons if you're a believer. If you're a baby Christian, you have authority over the devil and all demons. You just need to realize what you got and use it. So this lie, there is no personal devil. There really are no demons. Has got a lot of people allowing things to happen to their life that they could have stopped. And this one verse will here will tell you, look at James chapter four, verse seven. James is telling all believers everywhere. What does he say? Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. He, everybody say he, 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 he will flee from you. One of the greatest things you'll ever learn in this earth walk is who and what to submit to and who and what to resist. And don't think this isn't important. This is a huge, huge. There are Christians, multitudes of Christians who didn't resist certain things and they went down. Are you listening? There are a bunch of people who are yielding to wrong things when they should be resisting those wrong things. And at times people are resisting God. No, 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 you gotta get this straight. We submit to God. We submit to his word, his ways, his will, and we resist this person called the devil and anything of 
the devil. So what you and I got to learn and realize is what's of the devil and what's of God. Submit to what's of God and resist, stand against, say no to what's of the devil. There's not enough of this going on in the church. And that's why there's so many Christians in the same state as the world. Sick, broke, poor, afraid. They've not been taught what to submit to and what to stand against and say no to. So if there's no devil, I guess there's nothing to resist. <laughs> that means he is having heyday. The devil is having heyday in people's lives who don't believe he exists. It's interesting that a number one lie of the devil is there is no devil. And let me tell you why. You ready? Put, put James 4, 7 back on the screen. Let me tell you why. You ready? Because you're not going to resist what doesn't exist. Not going to do it. We're not going to resist what doesn't exist. Well, if he doesn't exist, we're not going to resist. But he does exist and we better resist. The Lord told. So, so, so what do we, what, what, what do we resist, Pastor? What, what do we resist? Well, here, here's my, my word to you. Don't wait. <laughs> okay. Don't wait for a being to appear to you in red. Horns, pointed tail, pitchfork. Don't wait for that. He's doing a lot more <laughs> than that, right? I'm not even sure that has anything to do with the devil. You read through the New Testament, you will find out that Satan transforms himself as an angel of light, trying to deceive people into thinking what he's presenting is from God. Here's a little sickness to help you become perfect in your suffering so you're worthy of my name. He, um, he, he's convincing. He's been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. And the only way you will identify his lies and resist him successfully is if you keep hearing this word right here, which constantly exposes his lies and helps you to correct your believing and get on the right road and get off the wrong road. There's a lie. You ready? There's no devil. Just be nice and everything will be okay. <laughs> Tell that to all the nice people who aren't with us today, who left the earth early. Some people, well, why do bad things happen to good people? Maybe some of those good people didn't know how to resist the devil. I'll slow down. Why do, why do bad things sometimes happen to good people? Well, maybe those good people didn't know how to resist the devil when he attacked with disease and bondage and fear and whatever else he threw their way to destroy them. Now, we did a rise shine a couple weeks ago on is God in control of everything that's happening on the earth? And we know that he's not. If he was, why resist the devil? Why not just let the devil do what he wants to do if God's in control? No, God is not in control of everything on the earth. There's a devil and demons. And sometimes you got to say no, stop and resist. That shows you right there that God's not in control of everything on the earth. If God was in control of everything on the earth, he wouldn't tell you to resist anything. You just say kick back and say God is in control. No, the devil's doing some stuff and he's getting away with way too much. And the sad thing about it is people are blaming God for things the devil is doing. God is not killing people. John 10, 10, Carla brought this up in one of our Rise Shine programs a few weeks ago on, on Monday morning. 
And she said that the dividing line of the Bible, I mean, the dividing line, I mean, what is Jesus' job description? What is the devil's job description? Is John 10, 10. And they can put it up on the overhead. You don't have to turn there. But on John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief, talking about the devil, comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Okay, so stealing, killing, and destroying is from who? Huh? What is sickness? Death begun, right? Cells are dying. Things are not right. Stealing. What is that? Stealing, stealing a loved one from a family with a disease. Gone. Young age. Kids have no mommy. Kids have no daddy. Who's in the stealing, killing, destroying business? So what should you be resisting? Anything, big or small, that's killing, stealing, or destroying. What should you do, church? Stand against it. If something's coming against you and trying to steal your joy and you're feeling depressed, what should you do? No, in Jesus' name, go from me, you depression, you cause of depression. Get away from me. I refuse discouragement. How many believers do you know are doing that? Not very many. How many believers, you know, are struggling with depression? Lots. I was praying just earlier before I came out here for, before the second service. And I was looking at our I get a printout every week of uh, Are You Struggling? Of all the people that have filled out the Are You Struggling form and what they're struggling with in our church. And the top two are still the top two. The top two things people are struggling with that, I, that have filled out these forms in our church, are our church family is depression and unclear purpose. The biggest things people are struggling with according to the forms that are coming in from that Are You Struggling form. The Lord gave me that idea a while back just to ask the people, what are you struggling with? And we gave them some options to check and depression is, is right on the top. Do you realize that depression is not something you have to accept? I mean, even if there's chemical imbalances in your being, if you'll start resisting depression, the chemicals will get in line. The things will shape up in your own body. I mean, come on, you are. Are you ready? Don't want to blow you away. You are a God. (laughs) I'm going to write a book. Ye are gods. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you're a believer... The Bible says you're a child of God, small g, okay? You're a child of God. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who's the kings he's king of and who's the lords he's lord of? We are. In other words, what I'm trying to say is you're not only human. You're made in the image and likeness of God. The Bible says you're made in the image and likeness of God. The Pharisees got all bent out of shape one day and and Jesus said, have you not read in the Psalms, ye are gods? And they freaked out. Jesus said that. He was just quoting David. Ye are gods. What does that mean? It means we're not just human. We have power. We have something to say about what comes into our lives. We have something to say about what happens in our realm of domain. We are made kings and priests unto our God. Jesus did this. He washed us from our sins in his own blood, made us the righteousness of God in Christ. And where the word of a king is, there's supposed to be power. Where the word of a king is, there's supposed to be power. We are not nobodies. We are not victims. Cancer just can't come on you and overtake you. You say no to it. 
Cancer? No, no, no. In Jesus name, I said no. And then fill up so much on the word while you're thinking about is God and his things. Sometimes you got to say no. You got to say no, no, no. See, a lot of that is not the first reaction of most believers. The first reaction of most believers when a problem hits their body is worry. And that's a sign that we're not in the word enough. If our first reaction to an attack of the devil is worry, we're not in the word enough. Come on, we're supposed to be so full of the word that if somebody just touches us, scriptures come out. I mean, the glass is full. You know how you can see the water is even above the rim, you know? You know, he looks at it, it's like, well, how is that happening? That's how we should be with the word. Yes. A little thing touches us, by his stripes I'm healed. Glory to God, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. No, 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 devil, you can't do that to me. Well, most people, when the storms of life hits, they're like, oh, no. Oh, no. That symptom. What am I going to do? Oh, that's right. And then they quote a little scripture and they go back to worry. We need to be so full of the word that when the enemy attacks us, we act like the son of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. And then quote what we've read and studied in the Bible and watch it come out of our mouth and destroy an attack of the enemy. Some of the greatest healings I've seen in my, let me put it this way. Some of the quickest healings I've seen in my life is when I stopped praying and rebuked the problem and said, Satan, you will not afflict me with this anymore. And the devil will be right there and say, yeah, but you know, remember you sinned a while back. I say he forgives all my iniquities and heals all my diseases. Nice try. Yeah, but you're just not strong enough in faith. I'm leaning totally on the grace of God here. You, you hear me? I am believing that his grace makes up for my weak faith. All right. I'm getting my victory. Yeah. But the devil will keep throwing lies, lies. This try this lie. Try that lie. Try this lie. You overcome one lie. He'll try to throw another lie. I remember when I first got saved, one of the lies that the devil threw my way well, see, because I found out that God was a wonderful God. He had a thousand promises in the Bible. And one of the lies, I think it's a demon. I think there's a demon. His, his assignment from the higher demons is to go around, tell new believers that um, all the promises in the Old Testament are for the Jews only. And so I was like all excited about things I was reading in Exodus and, and Psalms and healing and deliverance and protection. And the devil said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. But that's just for the Jews. So... Don't get too excited. I went, oh. So I got one truth. God's a promiser. <laughs> but then the lie came and said, yeah, there, there, there's promises, but they're for the Jews. <laughs> well, that doesn't agree with a scripture in Corinthians that says to church, to Christians, all the promises of God are yes, yes. and amen yes. to us who are in Christ Jesus for the glory of God. I thought, whoa, 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 he just said, right. So I found a scripture, guess what? I, ex I exposed that lie, started believing different, and I got free. And promises in the Old Testament started showing up in my life because I realized they were all for me too. Yep. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. So, um, 
James 4, 7 again says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you're not going to resist what doesn't exist. So of course the devil's going to try to make people think there is no personal devil, there are no demons, there's nothing you need to resist. Just kick back and say God is in control and die young. <laughs> no! I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, verse 27. Very short verse, but notice what it says. Christian, hey Christian, Christian. Neither give place to the devil. So if there is no devil, what's he talking about here? What's he talking about if there's no devil? So here's the revelation. We'll find this out before we're done today. Here's the revelation to get ready. There is a devil. And there are many demons. And they are eternally defeated by our Lord. And our Lord Jesus gave us his name and authority over the devil and over all the powers of darkness and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Now, all that's predicated on using the authority he just said you had. It's all predicated upon us doing some treading and saying no at times. But if you use that authority like I'm talking about right now, the Bible says nothing. Concerning all these demon forces, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Glory to God. Some problems are not going to get fixed unless you stand against them and say no. The Lord has empowered us. He's authorized us to say in the name of Jesus, Satan, stop. And he has to stop. Come on. The Bible said, Christian, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Didn't say resist the devil and he'll overtake you. He said, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now, the reason we're talking about this, some people may say, well, I don't like to talk about the devil. It just glorifies the devil when you talk about the devil. No, it exposes his devices. It exposes his mode of operation. And it gives us the advantage because now we know what to resist and what to yield to. We know what to say no to. We know what to say yes to. This is the devil. This is God. This is from the devil. This is from God. And the more clear you are in that area, the more victory you're going to see in your life. Because the Bible said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The word flee in the big, thick Webster's Dictionary means he will run away from you in stark terror. Who's the fraidy cat here? Come on, I used to be afraid of demons till I found out they were afraid of me. You read the Bible, you'll find they are afraid of you. The Bible says the devils also believe and tremble. Who's the trembling ones here? Right. Not us. And, so, and as we get into this and I show you the origin of demons and where these evil spirits came from, you're going to go, what have I been afraid of? Oh, now see, there are a lot of mouth. And the Bible says the devil is not the most powerful. It said he's the most subtle. He's not the most powerful. All his power is wrapped up in illusions and deceptions. It didn't say he goes around. It didn't say he is a roaring lion. It said he goes around acting like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, our adversary. 
But in Ephesians here it says, neither give place to the devil. One translation says, believer, don't give any place to the devil. And think about this. He can't take place in your life unless you give it to him. He's not, he's not that big and bad. It's telling you to give no place to the devil. If the devil has any place in your thoughts, in your feelings, in your body or whatever, if he has any place in your marriage or your home, or if he's got any place, it's not because he's so big and bad, it's because you gave him place. And that's what this service is about today, to show you how to shut the door and keep out the devil. And I'm not talking about demon possession. I'm talking about just him messing with your affairs, messing with your joy, messing with your family, messing with your money. Hmm? If, it's, if he says neither give place to the devil, then I don't have to give the devil any. Wah, wah, wah. That's awesome. And if he does have place, it's not because he's so big and bad. I opened the door. I didn't know I shouldn't have opened. But you can kick him out. Say, strife, get out of my house. Sickness, get out of here in Jesus' name. Fear, get out of here. Doubt, stop it. Confusion, go from me. I was, um, recently I, I heard a um, testimony of uh, Malcolm Young, the Angus Young's older brother who formed the band ACDC. From Australia, <clears throat> very successful rock band. I just wish they would have been a Christian rock band. That beat is so cool. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, I guess it's not too late. We could be the Christian. Anyway, um, Malcolm just passed away recently. The the guitar player, not not very old in life at all. Very sad. I was watching an interview with Brian Johnson and Angus Young and. They were talking about, you know, Angus's brother and it was sad. They're kind of crying and he had dementia for like two or three years and passed away from it. And it's kind of sad. Some of the stories they were talking about when they'd go visit him. And, and I felt like the spirit of God said, you need to have the church declare boldly and say some things to dementia. You want to do that with me? Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about identifying lies, resisting those lies, and getting more free. All right? So just say this with me. Dementia? Dementia. Not, here, you Not here, you don't. You will never, you will never have access, access into, my into my life. I resist dementia, I resist dementia. In, Jesus name. in Jesus' name. I have the mind of Christ. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but he has given me the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I have a sound mind. I will never have dementia in Jesus name. Say this. I'm bright, strong, alert and keen. And just add this in there. And I'm also really good looking. Might as well throw that in, right? <laughs> While we're at it, under the anointing. Get that in under the anointing. <laughs> Come on, man, you need to say it. When it comes to cancer, don't be afraid of cancer. Don't be afraid of cancer. Say this, I'll never have cancer. In Jesus' name. I have healing. Cancer? Now look down and we say, cancer? You will never. Overcome me. Overcome. You will never, you will never 
get a part of me. I'm redeemed from cancer. Ha ha ha. Don't be afraid of these things. Don't be afraid. Not afraid of cancer. Not afraid. Not afraid of heart disease. I don't. If everybody in your family had it except you and you feel like you're the next in line, just say no. Heart disease, I'm not afraid of you. Buck stops here. You will not afflict me. Heart disease, you will not afflict me. Talk to your heart and say, heart, I call you strong. I call my blood vessels and veins and arteries good shape. Blood, I call you clean. No clogs. Everything works great in Jesus' name. What are you doing? You're acting like you're a child of God. You're acting like you're made in the image and likeness of God. You're not just kicking back and receiving anything the devil throws your way. And he always comes disguised. You're always going to think these problems are natural. The Bible says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus is the healer. Satan is the oppressor. Yield to Jesus and his healing power. Resist the devil and his oppressive disease. Stand against it, church. Stand against it and boldly declare, I'll not have it. I'll not have it. I'll not have it. Now, the devil's a persistent cuss. He'll come back at you hundred times. Yes, she will have it. Your, your uncle died with it. your daddy died with it. your mama died with it. your grandma died with it. You're going to have it, too. You're going to have it, too. No, shut up. In Jesus name. And one of the best ways to interrupt his machine gun thoughts is just open your mouth and keep speaking the scriptures that show that that's a lie. Because if it's on your mouth, it's on your mind. Don't just try to sit and wage some silent mental warfare when these things come against you. Open your mouth. The sword of the spirit is the only offensive weapon we're given. Use it. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, believers in my name, you shall cast out demons. Well, if they're not real, what's he talking about? In John 8, 44, Jesus said to the religious leaders of the day who are all messed up, you are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth. There's no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks a lie, for he's the liar and the father of it. Who was Jesus talking to if he wasn't real? He called him a he. In Revelation, it talks about the devil going throughout the whole world to deceive the entire world world. The Bible says deception in the last days was going to reach such a high that if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. Friend, if there's ever a time to rearrange your schedule, make room for the constant inflow of God's word into your life. Read your chapter every day with the church. Hear a sermon a day. Hear two sermons a day. Go to church when you can, every time the doors open, if you possibly can. There's things that happen in your local church that are catered specifically for you. And I have seen people off guard, caught off guard so many times when I knew that they they didn't have to get caught off guard. They could have been more ready, but they chose not to be. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to get to something here before we close. I think it'll be really enlightening. Second Corinthians two, look at verse 10 and 11. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing to all of us here. Look what it says. It says, to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also, Paul said, for if I forgive anything 
to whom I forgive it for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ. Talking about forgiving somebody who had repented. And Paul said, you need to walk in forgiveness because Satan will get an advantage of you, but we're not ignorant of his devices. Well, one of his devices, see, devices is plural. One of his devices is unforgiveness. The devil wants you to harbor ill will. He wants you to be mad at people, not forgive them. He wants you in a state of wrath, in a state of upset. And it's actually more than just a bad idea. It's satanic. Put, put the scripture back up. The last, the last one we just read there. Lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. So devices is plural. Why are we talking about this today? Because we want to not be ignorant of his devices. Right? The lust, the lies, the murder, the unforgiveness, the deception. So let's come back to this now. A big lie of the devil is there is no devil. Because if there's no devil, then you don't have to understand his devices. But if you don't understand his devices, he will get advantage of you. You want the devil taking advantage of you? If you do, just believe there's no devil. And he will. He will run in the background all kinds of havoc in your life. Now it's time to rise up and slap him with the word of God and overcome his lies with truth and believe the right things instead of the wrong things. Okay, one more scripture here before we go to the two biggies. 1 Peter 5, 8. 1 Peter chapter 5. These are all scriptures written to the New Testament church telling us, uh, newsflash, there is a devil. Should you be afraid? No, you should be free, right? There's a devil. And it'll explain a lot of reasons people are not seeing help just through taking medicine only at times or just through worldly counsel at times. There's some things that are spiritual have to be dealt with spiritually. Some things are spiritual. I mean, the there was a woman in church one day, Jesus ministered to her and it says she was bowed together for 18 years, could in no wise lift up herself. And Jesus said it was a spirit of infirmity whom Satan had bound. Satan had bound this woman with a spirit of infirmity. And it was interesting because he didn't really, it didn't say he cast the spirit out. It just said he spoke the word to her and laid hands on her and she was delivered. Some of these spirits, you don't even need to say, I cast you out. You just need to lay hands on people and speak the word and they'll be free and the sickness will leave. It said he laid hands on her. He said, woman, you're loose from your infirmity. Preach the gospel of deliverance, right? Woman, you're loose from your infirmity. Didn't look like she was, but if Jesus says you are, uh, believe, believe it. Right. Laid hands on her. She was immediately made straight and glorified God. So 1 Peter 5, 8, God tells all Christians, be sober. We could have a whole seminar right there. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, Christian, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Oh, aren't you glad it didn't say walks about devouring everybody? He has to look for openings. He's seeking whom he may. He may not devour some people. And I declare he may not devour me or you. Because we've shut some doors. We've learned some truths. We exposed some lies and we kicked them out. And now we're believing the truth instead of the lie. Seeking whom he may devour. He may not devour everybody. He has to find people that are open to him, that don't know these things, that have no idea. 
I mean, let's face it, one of the people he's looking for is people who don't believe in him. Wow, I can just run in the background of their life, cause all these problems. They'll just think it's a bunch of natural stuff. Not going to resist anything. Just always going to just try to get natural cures. There's some, some things natural cures will not fix. Now, go to Isaiah 14. And before we talk about the origin of demons, where demon spirits came from, which to me is a very fascinating subject. And um, by the way, I do want to say this, that I think there's a lot of people that would be way more prone to come to Jesus. If we could be a little more accurate in some of these areas about the age of the earth. And um, I mean, there, there's just some people that they, they can't they can't accept Christianity because some Christianity is saying the earth is only 6000 years old. But they've got studies that say the Earth's about 4.5 billion years old and and all this. And well, I, I will say this. All right. You need to realize that there was a world before Adam. And you'll see through some of these scriptures we're going to read right now that Lucifer was a part of that world. And there was there was um, clouds, there was thrones, there was things on the earth. And you, you need, now you're, I'm not saying your salvation hinges on this right now. You don't have to, you know, but there's some things in here that will help us to resist the devil in a more successful way. If we'll just understand some of these things are real and they're not myth. All right, so I'm going to talk to you for a minute about how Lucifer, which God created Lucifer, a very beautiful angel, right? Day star, son of the morning, had great responsibility, had, had some things going on. He had a throne. God entrusted him with a lot of things, made him very beautiful. He was very musical um, and, and he was working for God and until. So I want to talk to you for a minute about how Lucifer became Satan. You know, we, we hear the word Lucifer and we think of the devil. Really, Lucifer was his good name. Lucifer was, it's called, it means day star. Jesus is the bright and morning star. You know, uh, Jesus is not an angel, but Lucifer is an angel. And he's, he's called the day star. Lucifer is actually portraying and making it clear that this was a good guy. But Lucifer became Satan after some things happened by Lucifer's choice. So I want to talk to you just for a minute how Lucifer became Satan. Look at Isaiah 14, and we're going to read a couple of scriptures. Now, this is amazing to me because the prophet Isaiah, guy just like you and me, the prophet Isaiah got insight into eternity past. Isaiah got insight into what was going on even before Adam was uh, created. Before Adam was made. This is, this is before the Garden of Eden. This is, this is pre-Adamite. Okay, you ready? You guys all ready here? All right. So this is talking about Lucifer before. Now see, listen. When we, the first sign of Lucifer being on the scene with Adam and Eve is in Genesis chapter 3. It says the serpent, which we know was the devil, using the body of an animal, came to Eve to deceive her and succeeded. And he was led into the earth by high treason and is called the God of this world now because Adam let him in. Well, 
When Lucifer, excuse me, when, when the devil is seen in the book of Genesis chapter 3, he's already fallen. So what we're about to read happened before Adam and Eve. Are you following me? So in Isaiah 14, I believe it's starting in verse 11 or 12. Which is it, guys? How about verse 12? You ready? It says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Lucifer means day star. I'm going to find it in my Bible here. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Interesting. For you have said in your heart, this is Lucifer talking now, I will ascend into heaven. Interesting. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Hmm. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I, that's not I, 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 I. <laughs> I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I'll be like the Most High. What's going on here? Absolute rebellion with zero temptation from an outside entity. This is why there's no hope for the devil. He wasn't tempted. He didn't slip and fall. This was his choice and he made it an eternal choice. Are you listening? He said, I'll ascend above the heights of the clouds. But in verse 15, God said, but you shall be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. And they that see you shall narrowly look upon you and consider you saying, is this the man? It looks like a man that made the earth to tremble and did shake the kingdoms that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof that opened not the house of his prisoners. All the kings of the nations. Uh, let's see. That's all we need to read. So. We see here Lucifer, right? Beautiful, bright, but unhappy anymore with his position that God gave him. What a bad decision. And we, we don't know how long before Adam and Eve this happened, but it's interesting that some of the things he was involved in, isn't that interesting to you? Before Adam and Eve... Um, weaken the nations. Um, I'll exalt my throne. He had a throne. God gave him a throne. He said, I'll sit upon the mount of the con I'll ascend above the heights of the clouds. So he was under the clouds. How about this? May, 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 maybe on the earth. Hmm. And then it says, he said, I'll be like the most high. Now turn to Ezekiel 28. You can think about what we just read for quite a while, I'm sure. But now look at Ezekiel. Ezekiel also got revelation of this being in eternity past. God gave Ezekiel revelation. And before we go to the exact verses here, if you read this whole chapter, the prophet had a word for a man entitled the Prince of Tyrus. He was a leader in that area on the earth. He was a man and God had a lamentation for him. Some woes were coming his way because of his evil doings. And so he spoke to the Prince of Tyrus. Like it says in verse two, 
Say, son of man, say to the prince of Tyrus, Thus says the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up and you have said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God in the midst of the seas that you are a man and not God, though you set your heart as the heart of God. So he's talking to a man in those verses. But come down to verse 11. The prophet, the Lord is speaking to the prophet. And moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, son of man, Ezekiel, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now, wait a second. Now, before you read on, I know it's real interesting, but please listen to this before you read on. Now he's addressing an invisible ruler over that, that area of Tyrus behind the scenes influencing the prince of Tyrus. This is why we need to pray for our leaders in government because there are evil forces in the invisible atmosphere around them trying to get them to make wrong decisions, pass wrong laws, laws, make it very difficult to preach the gospel and to hurt and kill people. And Daniel chapter 10 gives us more revelation about that too, how we can pray effectively and see those uh, battles won in the heavenlies and things happen better on the earth. So now notice, he's not talking to a man here. He said in verse 12, Ezekiel, you're a son of man. Now take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you seal up the sum, this king of Tyrus, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Now listen, church, can you look up here for a second? The garden of Eden, right? But now listen, you listen to me? Get this. This is talking about him in Eden before he fell. We see him in the Garden of Eden after he fell. And man was made. And this is so interesting to me because some of these, these demon spirits, you know, that are trying to hurt people and that you know, Jesus set people free from, one time... This evil spirit said to Jesus through this man who was possessed, the evil spirit said, listen, Jesus, before you cast me out, this unclean spirit, he said, please, please. It said they besought him greatly. Please, Jesus, please. We know you're going to cast us out of this guy. You're going to set this guy free. OK, but please, please don't send us out of the country. Why? What do demon spirits have a liking to certain parts of the country? Why, why didn't they said, Jesus, please, we beg of you. He said, besought him greatly. Don't send us out of the country. And there was a herd of swine feeding over on the hill. He just said, go. And they all went in the herd of swine. The herd of swine ran violently down in the sea. They were all choked in the sea. There was about 2000 of them. I thought, why did they say don't send us out of the country? It says here that Satan, Lucifer, I should say, Lucifer was in the Garden of Eden as a good guy. But we see him in Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden as a bad guy. I, 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 wonder, I wonder if that's the same territory that he ruled and reigned from in the pre-Adamite world. And he was still hanging around that area. Are you following me? When Adam and Eve were made. And this is really interesting because if he was in Eden, the garden of God, all decked out in his beautiful stones and still a very beautiful angel, then he was there pre-Adam with something else going on. 
Very interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought it was interesting. I just found this out recently in Genesis chapter one, verse two, where it says, you know, verse one says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse two says the earth was void or without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Remember that? I looked up the word was the earth was without form. It says the world became formless through a chaotic happening. Something happened before Adam that needed completely wiped out. And therefore the void, the chaos, the darkness. I mean, God is light. If he created the heavens and the earth, why would there be darkness there? He is light and in him is no darkness at all. Where did the darkness come from? Something happened between creation and Adam that we don't need to know a lot about. But it does give us some hints in scripture of a pre-Adamite world where some of these evil spirits most probably came from. Their final judgment is about to happen, you know, bottomless pit and lake of fire. But until then, we have to deal with them. If or when they try to come against us and lie to us or other people, if they need help. Really, Genesis chapter one is more of a restoration of the earth as opposed to a brand new creation of the earth. It's more of a restoration of the chaos that resulted from Adam's or from Satan's rebellion against God. Now, this will help you because just read the rest of this here. It says, you are the anointed cherub that covers. I have set you so you were upon the holy mountain of. Oh, wait a minute. I in the right verse. No, go back to verse 13. You have been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald and the carbuncle, the gold, the workmanship of your tablets and of your pipes was prepared in you in the day you were created. You are the anointed cherub that covereth. Now, so he's talking about an angel here. This is not a man. The first few verses was the prince of Tyrus. This is the king of Tyrus, the ruler behind the scenes, influencing the prince of Tyrus. And it said, you are the anointed cherub that covers. And I have set you so you were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Now notice, look at this. By the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled the midst of you with violence. What was going on here? And you have sinned. Therefore, I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God and I'll destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You have corrupted your wisdom by reason of your brightness. I will cast you to the ground. I'll lay you before kings that they may behold you. You have defiled your sanctuaries. Interesting. What was going on here before Adam? You've defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore, will I bring forth a fire from the midst of you and it will devour you. And I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold you. And they that know you among the people shall be astonished at you. You shall be a terror and never shall you be any more. Whoo! What revelation 
Oh my goodness. What revelation. What, what are we dealing with here? What, what are we? We're dealing with a being that has been around millennia times more than us. And thank God for that book. That book right there gets us free from all the manipulations and lies and bondages this creature who hates God wants to do to his kids. Come on, what will make us free? The truth will make you free. The truth will make you free. Jesus personally and single-handedly spoiled, paralyzed, brought to nothing the devil and all demons. They're still around, and the only way they can hurt people today is to lie to them and to get God's kids using their God-given ability to believe against themselves by believing his lies. He can do nothing to someone who knows the truth. And you, you and I need to realize there is a reason there is subtle warfare to you and me making church high priority. Making reading your chapter high priority. I'm talking about you'd rather do that if you only have time to physically eat and eat the word, you're going to eat the word. This should cause us to want to make room for a constant inflow of God's word and God's truth into our lives so that we constantly know the truth. We're constantly in check about what feels right versus what really is right, what seems good versus what really is good. And the only way we're going to be able to divide between these things and believe the right and resist the wrong is if that word is going into us on a constant basis, constant everyday basis. That's it. Other than that, we'll be believing things that feel true, look true and seem true that aren't true. We'll be living way below our means, all the blessings the Lord provided for us. I mean, I don't know how many of you today, I mean, maybe it freaked you out a little bit that we spoke to dementia and rebuked cancer. Why are we doing that? Because we're children of God and we don't have to accept that junk. The Bible says to resist it. Just what you heard today is life saving. I'm not saying it because I said it. I'm just a delivery boy. The Lord's anointed me to share these words with all of us. And what we heard today is life saving. Absolutely life-saving. I um, eventually I do want to get into a little bit more on the origin of demons and how um, how that it, it seems like they are actually disembodied spirits from a pre-Adamite world that was a part of the rebellion that Lucifer uh, led in that pre-Adamite world, but they're actually imps. We're talking about imps. Not 10, 12 feet creatures of power that have fangs. They're imps. They're like little monkey-like creatures, a lot of them. Just, just, there's different shapes and sizes, but a lot of them are just little monkey-like creatures. But they're big, they have a big mouth. And they know how to lie and they know how to scare. But when you realize what you're dealing with, little imps with a lot of mouth that Jesus already defeated. No, in Jesus' name, I'm a child of God. Get that away from me. Get that away from me. You won't be so afraid and will occupy, like the Lord said, until he comes. A lot more to be said about this. We can talk about it more later. But you all know that because of being a Christian, you have all power. You have the name of Jesus and you have nothing to worry about. Doesn't mean there's a devil behind every cough. Doesn't mean there's a devil behind every bush. But it does mean that these things came 
from the fall of man when the devil was invited into this earth. I like to tell people, listen, whether it's an actual presence of an evil spirit trying to afflict you or one of his fiery missiles from a distance, you have authority over all of it. The Bible says, take up the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.